Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, hey, it's Michael here again for another Oilers Live Tuesday, where we come every uh, week to talk some hockey. Usually a little bit of Oilers talk, but we're coming on up to the draft on July 23rd. And so uh, the uh, last little while, I have been uh, having scouts and uh, folks that are interested in prospects on the show. And, and um, so this uh, fellow here, Mr. Brad McPherson at Blue Bullet 1981, if you're following along on Twitter, is uh, somebody who came recommended to me uh, by a good friend of the show, uh, The Oil Knight, SPR. And uh, I actually value Sean's uh, opinions a fair bit, maybe overvalue them, who knows, but, uh, <laughs> but I like Sean's opinions. And so I invited him on the show and uh, Brad was gracious enough to join me. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure. And, and the kids, welcome to the kids on the show. Yeah. That's great. Always good. We don't get the uh, levity of children on the show very often. So. <laughs> <laughs> And there's lots of certainly lots of negativity in oil country lately. So, you know, anything yeah, to make us smile. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you are uh, you do something called the Blue Bullet Report, although I noticed it's uh, the actual Blue Bullet Report hasn't been uh, updated very uh, for a little while. But tell us a little bit about what you do every year. And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll ask maybe a couple of questions on the methodology, but give me a little bit of a synopsis of what uh, Blue Bullet's all about. Um, so my blog is essentially mainly focused right now is the draft rankings. I haven't been doing it much other than that. But uh, so it's what I like to call my methodology with my rankings is finding where stats and scouting collide uh, with each other. Um, so it's, I do not do any scouting uh, with my rankings. Uh, it's purely, I use other people's rankings and a lot of historical data um, to kind of come up with a score for each player in the draft uh, based on statistical measurements and then scout rankings. Okay. And uh, like, you know, what, because um, this is unique, right? Like uh, most of the, yeah folks I talk to they're you know they're typically uh the guys that are watching video and doing the scouting like what yeah. what brought this on oh did I lose you did you freeze up hopefully it wasn't me again on my side seems to be regular occurrence here lately Oh, I lost you, and yeah. now you're back. That's good. Okay. Uh, so I, I was asking a question. I don't know how long I lost you for, but um, yeah. what what is it that uh, got you started? Like, why why did you think now is the time? Well, I've been doing this, like, for a long time just as a hobby, just, uh, just uh, doing my own rankings. Uh, mainly, it used to be just pouring over the scouting reports, looking at the stats, and kind of coming up with my own. Uh, numbers. I think it's a very similar method to if you've ever looked at low tides uh, draft rankings. I feel that he does his rankings in that kind of way. Um, so that's kind of the way I used to do it. And then eventually I just got more into the numbers and I started looking into correlations between junior players uh, scoring at the junior levels and their draft year versus NHL levels. So I just kind of went from there and then it grew into a draft pick uh, value chart and then further into my own ranking. So just kind of evolved. <laughs> and what would you say, like, in terms of, uh, it, you know, I mean, you're doing something like this, right? And you, you got to look afterwards and you look at the rankings. I mean, how do you think it's evolved? Is it is it something that, uh, you know, you, you believe quite strongly in now that you've put the right uh, analytics together to come up with these rankings? I think it, it's, I've tried to tighten it up every year and the more data you have, the better results you have. Uh, but there's a lot of still unknown factors. Uh, 
But like I came up with the like when I was talking about correlations and stuff between scoring, uh, when I looked at it for forwards between junior and the NHL. So if you took a junior players scoring, uh, say in the Western Hockey League, you took their points per game. I look at their percentage of scoring and it's divided between power play and even strength scoring and uh, their age. And those factors from those factors, about 40 percent of their best season in the NHL is explained by those factors. But so it gives you uh, more more data kind of I think it strengthens uh, my draft, my uh, rankings. But there's still a lot of unknowns. There's still a lot of factors that there's 60 percent of that isn't explained by their junior production. So, yeah. Yeah, and and um, and so do, do you change it up every year on how you put it together? Uh, no, it's the same thing. It's just uh, uh, new data, um, and then sometimes looking at different factors. Like the last thing I did was look at how even strength. You can use even strength production to kind of project what their power play scoring can be even. And so I hadn't used those factors before. So I tightened that up last year. So it's just more looking for new things that'll uh, kind of strengthen the correlation, like looking for factors that actually affect, um, you know, I played around with it a lot. I, used, I tried height way I remember back in the day and weight and things, but those things uh, were like non-factors. Yeah. And do you do the same for goalies? You got, different uh i haven't figured out anything yet for goaltenders on a good way to do it uh i know byron bader uh on twitter for those who follow uh has come up with kind of a new method so for them i just i i use my i have my draft pick value chart that kind of ranks what an average overall pick would be and i just kind of go based off that yeah um, yeah, there's too many unknowns. I'm not quite sure it's the best way to rank goalies yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when you find out, I mean, let us all know because yeah. <laughs> not many GMs in the league have quite figured it out yet. I mean, and this is, you know, it's a unique year, right? We've got two goalies that uh, could easily go um, uh, top, uh, top, uh, top round this year. So yeah. Uh, it'd be yep. interesting to see. Um, okay, so uh, you know what? I mean, you brought up uh, uh, Bader. Who's some mm-hmm. of the? Who are some of the influences for you? I mean, you mentioned low tide. Everybody, if you're into any type of analytics, low tide, of course, is is one of the guys uh, locally. Uh, but who who else uh, would you follow? And and um, I know you merged some of the uh, draft rankings. Like, wh- who yeah. do you get it from? Yeah, I I use like I think I got over 25 different draft rankings I'm using this year. So there's a whole lot of them. Um, I know Brandon Holmes, who you had last week, I, I he does a great work out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, a Sean, fun guest to have. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sean Patrick Ryan, especially for uh, on anything from the OHL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, if there's a guy he's really sold on, say like Robert Thomas in his draft year, he's typically right about those guys, I find. Yeah. Nice. So I find if my draft rankings don't go along with them for OHL guys, I'm concerned a little. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Let's not let that get to his head. But <laughs> he's actually got Sean on next week to talk to Rocky. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay. So you got uh, that. Anybody? What about uh, like? Is there a guy in the WHL that you look to? Um. There's um. There's different guys. Cam Robinson out of. Uh, uh, I'm not sure where he's at anymore. He used to be a Dauber prospects and then he's moved on, but uh, he's out of uh, Vancouver and he does good work. Um, yeah. There's a lot of guys out there that are, there's uh, guys from Europe that I get their draft rankings from and things like that. Uh, so they're all over the place. Now you, um, you said uh, that you, uh, before we came on air, you said next week you're releasing your uh, list. Have you started your list already? Oh, yeah, it's started. I'm just waiting basically on some rankings to be finalized. Uh, the last one's always Bob McKenzie. So oh, as, yeah? soon as, his, as soon as his is done, I can like input those numbers into my draft model and then it's done with. But 
looking at the numbers, like I've done this enough where I'm pretty sure my top eight guys are set and there won't be any movement out of them. I just don't think the rankings are going to change enough to affect it. So it's kind of already set in order. It's just a matter of finalizing the numbers. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I get that. And uh, like there's um I didn't realize uh, Mackenzie. I haven't looked yet, but I didn't realize Mackenzie hasn't put his out yet. I mean, we're we're like only ten days away, right? Yeah, like if, Mackenzie typically puts this out the Monday before the draft, so four days before. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't, um, I don't follow him uh, as much. Typically, yeah. I um, like I follow the guys at the Athletic, uh, Pronman and Wheeler, and, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. which they they usually do a little bit early. Uh, low yeah, tides, low tides, good, and um, also uh, the oil night, of course. I uh, had the guys from uh, draft pro, draft pro hockey as well. Yeah. One of the guys uh, from there on, and and uh, there's no shortage of really good uh, analysts out there, um, you know. So it's kind of, I I do find it kind of neat that you've found a different route to get your list, right? Yeah. yeah. So right now. Uh, of course, pre Bob McKenzie, uh, who's got who do you got at number one? Number one is uh, Eklund. Eklund's oh, really? Number one. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Where? Uh, so, like, I, which that surprises me a little bit because I, you know, I seem to see Power's name at number one most often, yeah. and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just uh, some type of bias that I'm seeing because I'm looking for it. Um, out of mine. Power, like Eklund, Power, and Beneers are the top three, and they're quite close between the scouting community. Those are the three guys. And there's a difference of opinions with them. So, uh, but Power is the one I hear the most in like kind of the mainstream media. So his name's out there the most, but there's a lot of scouts that have other people. And that's why you hear like Buffalo's been the rumors more that they're going for Eklund or might want to move down, is what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I haven't heard, um, I haven't heard any rumors, uh, around that. I, I, um, you know, I, I, in fact they're doing, they were releasing some of the, um, interviews this week, right? NHL was, did you watch any of them? No, I haven't watched any. No, I know. I, I'm, I know only of the one, which is uh power who, who said, uh, he would be happy to go to Buffalo, but my understanding is his uh, intention, unless if that's changed in the past week, is to go and play NCAA. Uh, in the um, like in the past, have you been like? Would you say you're surprised at the route the GMs go, uh, based on what you put together, or is it usually pretty accurate to how you think they'll go? Um, usually the top ends fairly close i'd say and then it kind of starts to vary uh last year was actually kind of surprising it was a little more uh all over the place a little bit there's some guys that were taking the first round that a lot of scouts were surprised by so it, it's interesting uh this year is going to be all over the map so yeah yeah it's it's actually uh, there's a lot of people out there that are saying they're not looking forward to the draft this year um, personally, I, you know, I love the fact that it's, you know, it's all over the place. I mean, the top five has differences in everybody's, uh, top list, yeah. right? Like there's, you know, as you said, you got, uh, Eklund. I mean, you're, you come to your list by a different route, but, yeah. but I've seen, you know, I've seen power at one, I've seen Eklund, I've seen, um, you know, I, I've seen, of course you see Hughes up there a fair bit. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we do have one uh, question. Are any goalies going to be available at 19? What's your thought there? I, I think, of course, uh, although I've had this argument on Twitter, uh, there's a lot of people who think Costa is going to go top 15. I, I think he'll be available when the Oilers pick. But your thought? I He's sitting right now at 19 on my ranking. So he's right there at the, where the Oilers are. So I think there's, it could be, he could be, it all depends. Um, he could be snatched up. There's a team that really wants a goalie. It depends. I, I think the Swede will be gone. I think Wallstead will be gone. Yeah, he, I, I would, I, I would take him in the top 15 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Casa, not far behind. I am. I mean, I um, I heard a stat that it's been anyway a number of years since two goalies were taken in the uh, in the first round. But um, like, uh, yeah, it's been a while. I remember back when Price and Rask went uh, in the first round. <laughs> What's there the little a, one thing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> That's my youngest ever podcast guest, by the way. <laughs> uh, no, that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. It's been, um, it, you know, if the, uh, we'll talk some Oilers of course, uh, before we finish up today, but, um, you know, they just the, uh, and of course you don't do the oil, the, uh, goaltending stats, but if you have him at 19, I think, uh, in fact, I think I've seen him at 19, in or around 19, 17 to around 21, I think is where I've seen him. Uh, he's a great big goalie. Did you, you're, you're based in the Edmonton region. Have you had a chance to watch him play? Uh, just on TV, just on line and stuff. This yeah. Year. Yeah. Not too much. Yeah, I mean, he he's, a, he's a huge goalie, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's huge. He's mobile. Uh, a lot of confidence. Uh, I think yeah. he was something like 17 and one this year. Uh, in the, yeah, percentage <laughs> or something, yeah, crazy like that. Yeah, and I saw I saw somebody post his numbers up against um, Price, uh, Price and Flurry. Yeah, and they were pretty damn close. So to yeah. believe like he's going to go, um, you know, nineteen is is uh, a lot to say about uh, how good Wallstead is as well, right? Like if because um, pretty much I've not I've not seen him surpass uh, Wallstead on any um, yeah. on any listings, but I've yeah. never really watched Wallstead to be honest. Yeah, with teams playing less games this year and stuff, uh, I think scouts will have to rely more on like reputation and previous. Uh, draft previous years and things like that. There's OHL players in the draft that have not played a game this year, so and they're getting drafted. So it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's it's crazy, right? Like it is. Um, it's insane to think that uh, you know there's there's guys that will have uh, really not played for a whole year um, that people are going to gamble on potentially yeah. in the first round. Uh, because, and I've asked every guest this because I'm based in Halifax now, where do you have Zachary LaRue on your list? Uh, he sits at 21 at the moment. Uh, 21. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, he's dropped considerably for most, um, in yeah. terms of where he's been, I've, I've seen him, uh, early on. I saw him, uh, top 15. And then yeah. uh, now I've seen him in the later rounds and some even outside of the first round. Yeah. Uh, most of that's not based on analytics, though, so it's hard to hard to quantify uh, the reasons. Um, and the reasons are, I mean, he's he's a bit of a troublemaker. He's, uh, you know, he got suspended this year for spitting on a guy. And, and uh, so, you know, he, but he's got uh, great hands. He's fun to watch. He's a hell of a player. If yeah. he... You know, if he can interview well, he'll be taken uh, high yeah. in the draft, yeah. um, and that's um, that's a big deal. Yeah, uh, we do have uh, some comments. Hopefully, in the upcoming season, if the oil make it, that uh, Tinker Tips, as he's calling them, <laughs> doesn't run up the minutes on his top horses in the barn. That could be meant uh, a number of different ways. Um, so again, sorry, what year uh, did you start? doing this was 20 well the blog started back in 2015 2015 was the first time i did a draft model i've done rankings previous to that um most of them i can't find anymore they were posted on low tide back in the day oh yeah back in like Like, i I remember as far as 2007 Oh yeah. Yeah. And have you had a chance to talk to, uh, like to talk to low tide and to have conversations with these guys that you, um, do the prospects with? Or- um, I did his show a couple times, like years ago, back before he, he was the only one, like on the weekends, he was yeah. like on Saturday or something. That's back when I did the show. Kinda. Yeah. Right on. He's, he, you know, I, I mean, one of the things I, um, I love about uh, low tide is that he's um, he's a community supporter and he, you know, he, he seeks out 
uh, folks like yourself and, and that, that, um, you know, are, are around the, around the Oilers and, you know, in that, uh, in that bubble of blogs and prospect analysis and that, and he, um, you know, he'll have uh, people on his show and, and there are so many, I, you know, I, of course, you know, I keep watching and keep, uh, tabs on what's going around on in the league and and I'm, I'm trying to follow other podcasts right because of uh you know whether it's just to have them on as guests i will say this a hundred percent is there is not a team in the league even even toronto or montreal that have the um I, I would say the uh, participation that Oilers fans participate in the analysis and the, you know, the writing and, and the media around the team that's not paid. Yeah. This is, uh, I'm one of, I'm one of a hundred podcasts. <laughs> I think I, I might, maybe it's more now. Um, there seems to be a new one every week yeah. and uh, it's just outstanding. Um, I, and I'm, you know what, I'm all for it. I did, um, I had people uh, join me a little while back and, and showed them how to podcast, knowing full well that some of them would be doing Oilers podcasts at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know what? I think it's great. It's uh, it's outstanding. And what you're doing is pretty outstanding too. So let's, um, let's talk, uh, you know, about the top prospects. Uh, maybe let us know what's your top five right now. If you got it as, as you see it so far. For the Oilers or the draft? For the draft. For the draft, well, I got a, a top six. Like, uh, there's a top six tier of Eklund, Power, Beniers, Clark, Hughes, and Gunther. Those are the top six. In I that think. order? Um, we'll see how it plays out, but it's some similar to that order. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, okay, so Eklund, uh, Beniers, Gunther, Beniers. Power, yeah. Hughes, and there was one more, right? Brad Clark. Oh, Clark. Yep. Uh, okay. Okay. And so you, and you haven't finalized yet. What order do you think they're in? No, I haven't finalized, but those will be the six guys for sure. Yeah. And, um, and so your, your final, you said is coming out. Uh, when do you expect probably, it? Probably a week from now. Okay. It'll be now, a couple of days before the draft. Yeah. Now explain to everybody who, um, who's watching or who's, who's watching, listening, et cetera. Um, when they, when they get your, uh, when they get your released, um, numbers, like how does it work out? Like there's, there's different numbers that you put in there. What are all of these numbers that, uh, you've got in there? Well, I guess we could start by just talking about the, the draft pick value chart that I kind of created. So that one's, um, based off of historical, uh, data. So currently it's based off of 1998 to 2012 uh, draft choices. So I got to update it with a couple more years, but I, I leave it like that so that players hit their prime at least so I can have like a peak year. Yeah. So, so if, uh, just for everybody that's watching or listening, you can, you can find that you can go to bluebulletreport.com. And uh, right now, the only th- thing that you have on there is the 2020. Well, not the only thing. There's lots on there. But you've got the 2020 NHL draft rankings. And if you can hit continue reading on that, you can get uh, your methodology is in there as well as the draft pick yeah. value chart. So, okay. So there's yeah. the draft pick value chart. What does that mean to us? Well, that means to us. So this is kind of like a number to kind of give a value of a player. So most value charts. Um, that I had seen previous to me creating this one were based on games played. And I always had an issue with that because a game's played between Connor McDavid and uh, this is, say Zach Cassie and they're two completely games, you know, once. So I had done a lot of research on points per game of draft picks and things like that. So I incorporated that into my value chart. So a first overall pick is expected to play X amount of games and have X amount of points per game on average. And so from there, I can kind of determine a score for a player. And so I set it so that a first overall pick is the score of 100. And then a second overall pick is the score of 
87.3. So the value of a second overall pick is 87% of a first overall pick. It's kind of like percentiles almost. Yeah. Um, and then it just goes down from there. Now, of so, course, you're going to have to. Well, I guess you won't have to change it. You just have to change how you how you group it, right? With the, yeah. <laughs> but the numbers will stay the same, I suppose. Yeah. Now, does it work on a on a bell curve? Does it uh, end up going normalized like that? It. Um, I think in my draft rankings, I have a little uh, graph of the chart, and it, it looks like. Uh, it looks kind of like going down the skyscraper is kind of how the value of the draft. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good Edmonton reference for anybody out there right now. Yeah, it's just a it's just a steep drop. Um, all the value in the draft is at the top end of the draft. Um, like if I if you add up the value of the fourth, fifth, and sixth and seventh round of the draft, that equals the first overall pick. Oh, really? Yeah. So. And that and that bears true over all of the data that you've done, like uh, in yeah. terms of from what year? Sorry, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand twelve. So far, yeah. yeah. So basically, would you rather have picks like one hundred and twenty eight down, or would you have the number one pick? Yeah. Okay. So, and it turns out the number one picks more valuable than a hundred and some picks. So. So those are those like this is a ratio basically, right? Like if you've got um, like let's take uh, at one thirteen is at one, so that's like you know one percent of uh, one to one hundred, right? Versus yeah, yeah, is that yeah direct ratio? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so you need a yeah. hundred, you'd need a hundred, hundred and thirteen picks to kind of make up your your value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, And so like a draft like this year where I don't think it has what I would consider an average first or second overall pick. I don't think there is one in this draft. Um, so that's why you see everybody's clumped together at the top is this draft just doesn't have the high end top pick. That's why you haven't heard any hype like the years where like there's a Tavares or a Hall versus Sagan or yeah. a McKinnon. Or, so there's just there's that's why there's no real hype to this draft. It lacks the top end guys. Interesting. And, and um, now, so do you think like a, a draft like this will completely blow apart your value? <laughs> like for, you know, like, is it, is it, is it like a one-off type of year then? Or will it, yeah. or will you yeah, think it stay, stay true? Each year is kind of relative to that year yeah. because of that. I'm assuming it's each year is an average year. Yeah. So yeah, I could like, I have nothing to prove that there isn't a top two pick, so I can't go based off of that, but that's just my belief. Yeah. So, yeah. So Eklund's value or power will have a higher score than maybe what their true value is if they were in a stronger draft here. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so you, um, in your draft pick value chart, you value forwards higher than D-men. Predominantly, yeah. And the, the main reason for that is uh defenseman after i can't remember now off the top of my head but after about tw 20th overall uh defensemen play a lot less games than forwards like about 15 percent less so they take longer to get to the nhl the guys picked in the top 20 for defensemen usually end up playing about the same amount of games as their forward counterparts and picked in the top 20 but uh after that tend to always play more games so to me that's where they have more value so you get more games out of them yeah okay okay I, I, I mean like so fill me in now like have you when you've done this and you do this just sort of as a labor of love I assume yeah. <laughs> uh, like what you know put yourself into the GM seat for a bit Right. Like, and, um, and we're going to, we might as well talk about this Duncan Keith trade. Cause it's going to come up. <laughs> right. You know, there's a, yeah. Was it a third rounder thrown in there? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if we go, you know, third round is, uh, what, uh, probably over 90th pick, I guess so it would be 96th, uh, in there or no, it would be between 60 and 90. Yeah. 65. That's, 
Yeah. So, you know, that's not, I mean, on your value chart, right? Like that's, you know, you're still plus one in those, right? Yeah. Um, like when you, you know, if you're trading picks, right. It's, is uh, like, is there kind of like a, an area where you're kind of just based on what you've seen, like you wouldn't, would you give away a third rounder or, or you know, just to give some numbers, like, from for picks taken between 31 and 71, 63% of them play less than 100 games. For players picked 72 to 106, that goes up to 73%. So you're most likely not to get anybody in the third round. After about the 75th pick or so, the median pick is of if you took the median pick of like the 75th or the 76th or the 77th pick and onward, it's zero games played. Like your most likely scenario is to get somebody that's never going to play. In that so itself. in the case of the Oilers, who you expect will make the playoffs over the next couple of years and the, yeah. and the picks conditional, I'm not sure what the conditions were on it. You're really talking a, like a throwaway player, right? Throwaway yeah. pick. It's typically, they're not going to hit. Um, so like, yeah, like, Players drafted between 31 and 71st. Oh, what is it? 15% of them end up having 0.40 points per game or more for forwards. So 85% of them are bottom six guys or worse kind of thing. Yeah. And okay. that's, that's, that's the second round. Like in the second round, you should expect not to really get anybody of value is yeah. typically what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, you know, it's true. You get, you get the odd player, right. That you've, um, you know, yeah, every so many years does. Yeah. Or you, you know, you could be fully stacked with first overalls like the Oilers have been on occasion. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, okay. Okay. So let me ask you what, um, you know, when you, you know, you're doing prospects, but obviously you're an analytics kind of guy. You, you look at the analytics of, of things when it comes to hockey, I assume it's not just uh, related to prospects. What is your, uh, both from a, um, just from a looking at the trade perspective and from an analytics uh, perspective, what's your view of this Duncan Keith trade? Um, I'm, It's one of those trades where you're like, hope like if you look at it through rose colored glasses maybe it's okay <laughs> but yeah i'm concerned with the trade just the just the age curve you know his game could completely fall off the map at any point he's at that age um and some some would say he's fallen off the map already yeah, yeah but yeah, there well, are there are ex potential excuses for that i'll give him that yeah, yeah. well for sure he's He's, he's a poor first-line defenseman. That's we know for sure from the analytics. What we don't know is how he'll do on the second or third, though he didn't do very well last year against top six forwards. Um, so I don't even know if he can do the second pairing role like some like the Oilers are hoping for. He, he might be more like your third pair. Like he's, like he's more maybe on Chris Russell's level by now. Who knows? Because he hasn't played in a sheltered role we'll have to see but. yeah uh, do you like it no not really <laughs> <laughs> then there's the cap hit on top of that and I, yeah so yeah no, I, not too many positives for me it's just like, you hope it turns out but i yeah. i don't know seen enough of that kind of open prayer kind of thing doesn't really work usually. <laughs> yeah yeah no the uh yeah hope and prayer is not a really good way to run a run a hockey team uh i you know what i'm going to um for for myself in terms of the trade i i'm, I'm going to reserve judgment till we see it, which i you know usually do i like to see a player play there are reasons why keith's numbers dropped off i i'll give him that Right. Like, you know, he was, he certainly wasn't playing with, uh, you know, a good D partner and, and maybe that'll change, you know, he's, um, and, and, uh, it's funny because I was, um, I was getting upset earlier on in the playoffs that the Oilers didn't have like a, 
you know, a Corey Perry type of player, right. Or, you know, a Patty Maroon, like these guys that, um, you know, are next to nothing cost next to nothing. And, and, uh, you know, seemingly have this, uh, unbelievable ability to get their team, you know, to the, um, like, is there a more talked about player than Corey Perry for his value? Right. I mean, I look, I hate Corey Perry as much as any Oilers fan, but does Duncan Keith, like, is it the experience or the sandpaper that you want is my question. And, and that seemingly seems to be the reason for the Duncan Keith trade is the experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but does he bring anything remotely close to what a Corey Perry or a Pat Maroon bring to a team, uh, that we're not currently getting out of, uh, Cassian. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or it's going to be more like the Andrew Ference or an Adam Oates kind of situation where you're getting them a little too late. Yeah, I, you know, I, and um, and then, uh, you know, take that and go a little bit further. Um, Parise, right? Oh, yeah, and Suter. Yeah, I would, I would say, um, I, I, you know, the I, I've been a Ken Holland fan for the most part. Like I, there's a lot of things that I like about him that I think analytics folks wouldn't like about him, but, but I, but I, um, here's a guy that, and, uh, all respect to you, Ken, if you ever, if you ever happen upon my podcast, but I doubt, doubtful he will. Um, <laughs> here's a guy that's, uh, retirement age, right? Like yeah. he's, you know, he's, uh, long in the tooth. Let's he's old, <laughs> right? He's an old guy comes to Edmonton kind of, I would say it's his swan song, right? Like this is the, you know, the end of his career as a GM. And yet he still seemingly has the patience to not make, you know, uh, brash moves all the time. Although I, I, I'm not sure where I put this Duncan Keith thing in, but he, you know, he, you know, he, he's been at least a little bit, what, what I would say patient, a lot of Oilers fans would say too patient. I, yeah. I, I want to see a team that is going to compete year over year with or without Connor McDavid. Right. Yeah. Um, and so far, you know what we've had, uh, I think it's, it's because we've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle, but we've had a couple of back-to-back playoff years. I would say that, you know, the team's done well. Um, and I think a big problem is, is coaching, uh, is my, my personal opinion. Uh, but I'm going to Jonathan Willis, um, came out with a tweet that uh he really um really kind of solidified like to me right like I, I you know before this i was kind of like this I, you know i've been defending holland for a while i'm looking for the the jonathan willis tweet but he basically I, let's say in a nutshell right like he said like you have to give uh holland a little bit of a break initially right that he was what for what he was left with right from uh chia Mm -hmm. and uh and and then you know yeah you know you kind of like you can kind of give him that and say okay you're all right but now now you have to kind of say okay well he's had that and um here here's the tweet i'll read it out loud he says the duncan keith trade is the tipping point We're no longer really allowed to talk about Ken Holland's hands being tied financially by Peter Chiarelli. Keith and Cassian combined for 9.1 million in cap space, and both were Holland decisions. He had money. This is how he used it. So thoughts on that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, That's a long lead up to that, by the way. But yeah. yeah, That's my biggest concern with Holland is him in the cap era. He doesn't have the best track record and it's still showing that he may not be the best one at, uh, at cap management. So that's my biggest concern with Holland. <laughs> See your little one agrees too. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the same, same feeling there on, uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's, there's, um, now, if you're let's and then let's talk about the Oilers in the upcoming draft. Then, right? I mean, we know now we've got um, Keith for a couple of years. Uh, we've got um, 
you know, we, we've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, obviously, uh, tied in. We've got uh, McDavid. We've got Dreisaitl. If you were the Oilers and you were up there on the podium picking at 19 this year, first off, would yeah. you do anything with the pick, like trade up, trade down? Uh, what's your thoughts in terms of what the Oilers need? And, and... I wouldn't trade up in this draft. I, I just think there's going to be a guy on your list that's going to pull to you. The draft is like all over the place. So I think there's going to be somebody there that you really like at that spot. So I wouldn't trade up. I would, I definitely wouldn't, I'd trade down in this draft. If anything, if you can pick up some assets, it's the kind of draft to do it in. Um, whether anybody's willing to move and things is going to be interesting. Uh, just because of those factors. Uh, So I could see a lot of teams just sitting and waiting for their pick, hope knowing that they they think their guy's going to fall to them. Um, I know around that pick, like when I look at my list right now, for guys in the say like thirteen to twenty three range, out of them I have ten forwards and a goalie. So, so is now what's like- your what's your numbers? Because you only have um, where do you have any idea of where you'd put goalies in terms of your ranking? Like I, I know you, that's not your real thing, but you got forwards and D men. I mean, yeah. Uh, like, does Bader have anything in terms of where where he values goalies comparatively? Um, I I don't know about that. Uh, I know he's come up with a methodology of how to rank them or what like likelihood of making the NHL kind of thing. Yeah. Um, typically, most years, a lot of years that I don't see a goalie in my top two rounds typically yeah it's, i mean it, it's so hard to draft goaltenders right i mean they like mid third that they start seeing them kind of show up yeah 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 i i mean I, I i think that's the interesting thing right so i like i mean based on what you're saying in terms of you know in that uh range you're talking forwards who have a higher value for you right yeah. um and uh and then, uh, and then you're talking a goalie, which is really a relative unknown, right? Like yeah. whether, you know, what that value, well, to you anyway, I don't know. I'm sure yeah. they've got some kind of, uh, you know, ranking on, on where they view that, but, um, you know, there's, there, there are definitely two camps in the Oilers world right now. There's the folks that really love Casa because, well, I think there's a little bit of a hometown thing there. I mean, he's. Yeah. He, he was born in Hamilton, but I think he grew up playing in um, Fort Saskatchewan or maybe Sherwood Park or someplace uh, just outside of Edmonton. And, and then, of course, he's, you know, he's playing for the Oil Kings. So that's a big deal. Um, but then, you know, yeah, if I go based on kind of your your value chart, I mean, it, it seems almost silly to take a goalie in the first round. I, I'm, I'm, and we, yeah, of course, you don't have any numbers for goaltenders, but. It just a goalie yeah. in the first round just doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have him at nineteen. So like to me, that'd be like that'd be the worst case. Like if it, I was using my list, that'd be my worst case scenario would be to get him. Mainly like yeah, if I was drafting, you know, the Oilers would end up with a forward of some type, somebody that hopefully has top six uh, forward potential. Yeah. So who would you have in that? Uh, let's say. Uh, 12 to 17 range. Do you have maybe list off a couple names there? Uh, uh, one of the names that um, uh, you were talking about, uh, the oil night, he's actually done uh, for those of you in advance of next week's show, you check out the oil night.ca and he's actually done a draft preview for the Oilers. Uh, he, he did it uh, just over a week ago. Um, and so he's got a couple of names on there as well that he, he kind of likes. Yeah. Like there's guys like um, one guy that probably won't be there is somebody like Baby and Lysel, um, yeah. who I have a, who's lower on mine because his production wasn't as high, but he he's somebody who's he he looks better than the results kind of thing. So uh, I know he's been compared uh, low tides compared him to Hemsky kind of we're in that kind of flashy kind of words. Oh yeah, but, uh, well. Uh... I'll have to check. I haven't, um, I, I saw low tide put out a list early. Yeah. I thought he was going to change it. So I haven't put a lot of, uh, yeah. effort into his list just yet, but has he, has he released any new ones? Uh, 
no, no, that's not released no. any. Okay. So maybe maybe I'm stuck with what he what he put out before. He was kind of like the first one to put out a list, really. Yeah, yeah. it's like Matthew Coronado. Um, I got Logan Stankoven's high on my list, but he only played like six games in the WHL this year. So it's like that's the problem with my draft model this year. So he got seven goals in six games or something like that, or something. Yeah. <laughs> how can you how can you pick anything? How many but, of those yeah. goals were multi-goal games, right? He's how many? a really small guy. He's like yeah. five eight or something, but he's been compared to Brad Marchand. Except without as dirty a player, but he's got that motor and skill level and skill kind of thing. And so he's one. There's a lot of forwards in that kind of range. And that's the problem with this year with my draft model. I'm not as I don't I guess I have uh, more doubts about it this year than others just because of the small sample size with players. Yeah. You got guys six games instead of 72 and things like that. So. I, I think my numbers are going to be skewed on some players. So it'll be interesting to see which one next year. <laughs> How it shakes out. Shakes out. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, that'll be, um, I, I mean, it'll be interesting, right? Like you could, you could conceivably pick, you know, a first overall that will never play. Right. Could be, and through no fault of their own, be the biggest bust ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking of another Edmonton boy, uh, uh, Shizowski was picked second yeah. overall, and I think he played, you know, a, a game or two games for the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, that's going way back. Yeah. Um, but some people would do that. I and then actually the reason I know Shizowski so well uh, was his um, his mom was my uh, school secretary or or I guess uh, administrator now is what. Uh, but uh, at the time, they still went by the term secretary. But uh, yeah, she was up front. And so it was kind of always this like um, little piece of trivia that uh, her her son was uh, Shizowski and he went second overall in the draft. I think he played two games for the Islanders. before he... And that's what I hope with this draft is that GMs realize that this is a below average draft. And that's where you hear like power going back to the NCAA and they don't rush these guys and treat them more like a fourth or a fifth overall pick and not as a first overall pick that you have to rush to the NHL. Yeah. So sure. let me, I mean, cause you said uh, in the cap era, Ken Holland has had, you know, pretty poor numbers like, or results. Yeah. Right? Is, are there any sort of redeeming qualities for, for Holland? And, and are you in the, in the camp of like, if you could replace Holland with another GM, you'd do it, or you still want to see where it goes? Uh, so that's a two-parter, but like, yeah. so first is, uh, let's ask the Holland question first. Would you, would you replace him if you could? And then second, you know, what kind of good things do you see out of Ken Holland? I, I, I guess you could replace him. I don't have an option of like your knowledge of like who I would replace him with. So that's always like, the challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as Oilers fans, we always want everybody's head, but we, <laughs> we don't know what we'd do if we, if we had the chance. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I do. I would like somebody that's a little more aggressive with cap management and things like that nature, and maybe more like then it's this weird dynamic between the GMs where they really are scared of like pissing the each other off, or and, like you hear Ken Holland talk about that with Bowman, like, well, he won't do a deal with me and stuff if I screw him over, kind of thing. But uh, you see that all the time. Like, NHL that they're they're a little afraid to uh really be vicious with each other the GMs which is interesting. yeah well it's a small fraternity of of, yeah. of guys right like it's not you know I mean there's you know now there'd be 31 other GMs that you have to deal with um yeah. you know it's not like you can go out and just pick and choose who you're going to deal with it's a small market right like of yeah. of people you've got to negotiate with so i think if you i think burke yeah. I, you know I've, I've heard burke say it best is kind of like always he always tried to make it a win-win in every situation because he didn't know when yeah you know, and of course he was one that had his enemies right <laughs> right the guys he wouldn't yeah. deal with kevin low yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's that. Um, but yeah, I don't have a good option out there. I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know like, oh, I had to replace him with this guy. So yeah. But yeah, yeah I know yeah, you mentioned uh, coaching. I know you mentioned with Tippett there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Maybe that's the, I didn't like how he coached in the playoffs. I'll say that with Tippett. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, look, I, look, I, um, I, there's uh, Eric Friesen who I have on the show and it's going to be on the yeah. show in a few weeks. Um, and he does a podcast on the Oilers yeah, live channel did. called 99 forever. Uh, he and I got into it on the pod, not, not like got into it. I wouldn't say we're, we're both pretty civil, but, um, talking about he's, you know, he's, he says, look, like Tippett's brought us, you know, to the postseason a couple seasons in a row. And, and at first I was kind of buying into that. And then I, you know, I, I started to think about it. I mean, you've got Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. That should be at the very minimum of like success criteria, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, it, like it shouldn't even be, that shouldn't even be a question mark as to postseason, right? Like that, yeah. you know, I, you and I should be able to coach the Oilers with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid into a playoff round. Right. And then that's when the real coaching begins in my mind. Right. Like that's, that's when they separate like the good coaches from the bad coaches. And we've seen that year over year, right. With, you know, with the coaches that are successful, I'm thinking of, uh, trots, right. Like, um, you know, uh, coach Q who's had a lot of, uh, uh, success, maybe not this year, but you know, those guys seem to do it. And, and we haven't seen, I don't think, I think Tippett's got like, a really ridiculously low winning percentage when it comes to playoffs. That's prior yeah. to being in Edmonton. Yeah. Well, from what I'm, from what I from watching, it seemed like he was desperate the way he was uh, coaching and the way he was like, um, yeah, playing with four defensemen, things like that. The way he was shortening his bench a lot. It's just he didn't. It seems like he doesn't trust a lot of his players. Yeah, no, I, well, exactly. And so, uh, you know, I was thinking this as we were talking earlier, and we go back to this Duncan um, Keith trade. Like, do you, I mean, Holland's got to listen to a number of different folks before he makes a trade like that, I think, <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't think you uh, get on the phone um, and make a trade like that uh, just without a consulting your your uh, all star uh, in yeah. Connor McDavid. I think there's probably a phone call in there, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's done. But I also think you consult your coach, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we all know uh, Caleb Jones seemed dead in the water with with Tippett. Yeah. Des- despite what you know, I I haven't seen anybody trash Caleb Jones play other yeah. than Tippett. Not didn't come out and trash him, but certainly showed him that he didn't value his efforts by not playing him, right? Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like uh, Jones was too risky for Tippett's liking. Too, makes too many uh, high-risk plays out there. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, I mean, that's all in all, I mean, good on uh, Caleb Jones for uh, getting a new opportunity someplace else to, like, I think under Tippett, he, you know, he's, um, he's certainly in trouble. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Chicago, right. Like if they, um, there's some chat chatter that they're working on a Seth Jones, um, uh, trade, but, um, if Elliot Friedman, who seems to be one of the most connected guys in hockey says, uh, to bring it or, um, or, uh, Bokefist or, or the ask for Seth Jones. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, you know, I mean, we'll see if that, uh, that comes to fruition uh let's talk about um before we go we got about five minutes left oh well for maybe i should ask you anything that we haven't covered today that you know you know on your mind is uh sort of yell from the rooftops so oilers related sort of stuff before no no i don't no. think so <laughs> okay I mean, because that's an honest question with this team you just you just never know right uh, you know what's yeah. coming up. Uh, what do you think of the RNH trade, by the way, or not trade signing numbers? No, I like uh, everything. Yeah, the numbers are good. Yeah. Um, again, like over the course of it, like yeah, the last couple of years will be a little expensive, but I think he'll cover it overall the bet. And even though he had like lower even strength numbers, like his a uh, his first assist totals were way down this year, Nuge, but. 
the analytic like isn't he still had strong analytic numbers though so i'm expecting a bounce back next year with that it just seemed like a weird one-off i'm thinking yeah so. yeah i um i mean he brings so much more than just yeah like points right he's uh yes. you know he's versatile there's not many players in the league that can play up and down the lineup like he can yeah right and uh and and in any situation pk power play yeah. uh the only thing he doesn't do and i think he made a nice save this year too but he doesn't typically play <laughs> goal yeah. um but he's um you know he, there's more there's so much uh to that guy and and Let's be honest, you know, for years we've been complaining about not pl- players not wanting to play in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. It's nice to have a guy that wants to finish his career so, seemingly in, in Edmonton, yeah. right? He wants to finish and, yeah, he wants to win here. Is what he's, so. Yeah, it would be good. It would be good. What, um, yeah, because, you know, I'm, hopefully maybe I can get you back on uh, again. But um, so far, uh, where do you think this Oilers franchise is going? What do you What are your thoughts for the upcoming season? For um, I'm I'm interested to see what they end up doing with the wingers. That's going to be the big thing this year. Is uh, what they do in free agency or trades to kind of strengthen that. Um, yeah, our depth. They're they finally got some money to improve the forwards. Uh, our forward depth is still an issue with this team. It's still got to yeah. be fixed up. So. There's that, and then yeah, the key thing's kind of unknown. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I imagine there's going to be a cleft bomb announcement sometime in the summer. Yeah, you got to think this Duncan Keith thing has something to do with that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. yeah. I, I I'll tell you this: three years ago, a uh, little over three years ago, probably going on four, I started the podcast, and um, I had Jason Strudwick on. And, uh, Jason, actually, I, he and I went to high school together, uh, sat, uh, I can't remember. He sat behind me or I sat behind him in English class. Um, at the time, of course, I had no idea he would be <laughs> an NHL player, but, but, uh, so he was, you know, gracious enough to make, um, make an appearance on here. And I remember he like totally burst my bubble that year and, and said defense was a huge problem for us. And it stuck with me uh for a couple years and and now you know i mean the fact that we can trade caleb jones away and 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 not you know think we're trading away the future of our defensive core yeah um is actually not such a bad situation to be in right and hopefully uh, larson's been trending the right way if they do resign him so um, yeah it'll be interesting Um, who uh we've got two minutes uh, who do you think uh, Seattle will take from the Oilers? If assuming no trades or anything go, <laughs> I guess ben, Benson's the one that comes to mind off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, you know you want them to take somebody like Cassidy or somebody else, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we're <gonna> be so <laughs> lucky. <laughs> Maybe some favors or something. I don't know. I hope they don't. Yeah. For all I know, they'll protect Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, we'll we'll see what uh, who Seattle picks. Um, okay, where? Um, so tell everybody uh, a little bit about where they find you, what they can expect next uh, before we shut her down for the night. Yeah, uh, you can find me on the BlueBulletReport.com for my work. Uh, rankings will be out next week, and uh, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, BlueBullet1981. Um, and those are them main two places you can find me all right excellent and uh for those of you uh still listening it was actually a pretty good uh audience live audience today i will release this as a podcast as which is what i always do uh really thank you uh so much for joining me today brad it was um as uh as i expected when you come uh recommended by uh sean patrick ryan i learned something tonight and i'll be following along for the um for your prospect list uh, next week. Uh, it was really great having you on. Hopefully we can get you back uh, on soon. Uh, and um, please, uh, if you haven't, go to my profile at Oilers Live. Uh, check out, there's a, a link there for a Discord uh, server. So join Discord. You can chat uh, Oilers chat there or whichever. Uh, I'd like to grow that um, uh, community there so we can talk some hockey. I think I might've lost you again.
right at the bitter end. Let's just have a have a look to see what where I'm at. Oh man. All right. Well, uh we did I did lose you right at the end. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh shut it down now. So thanks again, Brad, for coming and uh we'll have you back again. Oilers Live.